because we don't have that model, we don't like, there's no, there's no pioneers. We are the pioneers mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Like uh, anyone, any teacher in the classroom right now is doing something that's never been done before, mm-hmm. regardless of whatever situation they're in. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dave. Thanks for joining Bob and I for our podcast, Thriving in Dystopia. And even though we always try and be professionals, sometimes we swear. So just know that going in. You can buy a hair if it won't grow. You can fix your nose if he says so. You can buy all the makeup the Mac can make. But if you can't look inside you, find out who I am to be in the position to make me feel so damn unpretty. (laughs) Oh, man, Bob. Love it. Uh, (laughs) I didn't know that you had memorized all the lyrics to Hamilton. Yes. That that's basically the Hamilton of the 1990s. Yeah, nice. Well, Bob, how are you doing tonight? Oh yeah, I'm doing pretty good. All things considered, living in uh, apocalypse on top and top of a apocalypse. But we'll talk about that in a bit. I'm doing good, you know, at least in my own day, trying to stay connected and stay healthy. Um, yeah, how, how about you, Dave? Yeah, I feel like. One of the things that's brought me so much joy this week is I picked up my bike from our mom's house and I've just been riding it to work every day. Mm. And it's just been like one of those, it's such an empowering thing to be on a bike. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've just loved that freedom. I love, um, you know, riding my bike with no handlebars, like just get my arms up in the air and feeling like a kid again, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel like we perfected it that when we were about 15, 16 years old. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just the best. So yeah, that's what I've been doing to take care of myself. Just trying to get on the bike every day. And I've been going on some runs, always trying to beat your time, but I just can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I haven't been able to run this week, Dave. So I'm I'm falling behind. Yes, we got to fatten up that Bob. Get him nice and chubby. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Bob, I'm so curious to hear about the the state of California as it burns the apocalypse on top of the apocalypse. Tell yeah. tell me what's been happening. Yeah, it just reminds me of what I told Amy Cook maybe 20 years ago that California is a very dangerous landmass. And we are totally into fire season so early this year. It's only August and there are something like 350 fires burning in the state. There are some extremely fast burning ones in Monterey County, but even there's a worse one in Santa Cruz County. So they have ordered an evacuation of UCSC. They just, I just heard on the news, they have ordered an evacuation of Scotts Valley, a town of something like 40,000 people. Um, I have a lot of friends in Santa Cruz that I'm worried about and thinking about. I've been in touch with today. Uh, The positive things is there's been really good communication amongst people I know and like posting resources. And there's a mutual aid network that has sprung up trying to get people, you know, places to stay. And it's just a 
very scary, uncertain time in terms of how long this will last. The air quality is awful. It's really bad. So, you know, when you're thinking about COVID, you want ventilation and, you know, open windows and things like that. But the fires, you want to close windows. And so, you know, one of the crises is being exacerbated by the other crisis. Feels brutal, actually. So, yeah, that's where we're at. Yeah. I guess I also feel like one thing that's that's certain is the people that are most vulnerable always end up getting most affected by these like disasters. And I don't know. I know Santa Cruz has a a large houseless population, and I think about yeah where where they can go. And I know as the woods are burning too. I know like we've had friends that have lived in the woods in Santa Cruz. Yeah. I have a friend in Bonnie Dune who's just in just sorrow, just feeling like it's just a matter of time before their house burns. Dang. That yeah. sucks. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, Bob, but Fort Collins is also on fire. No, I didn't. Tell me about that. Um, it's actually more like Loveland, um, which is one town south of Fort Collins, and it's kind of like the suburbs. Yeah, it is. We have a massive forest fire up in the National Forest. Wow. Um, up up in the Rockies. And we've had really bad air quality too. And I another another little tidbit out there is that I love playing Sunday morning tennis. That's like been my thing mm. this summer. Yep. And I get out there and I I like to we used to play this video game called Mario Tennis. <laughs> That's and right. Yeah. I'd let like me to tell think- that. Let me tell the audience, I was like, yeah, Dave, when you go out there, do you pretend you're like Pete Sampras or Andre Agassi and then tell them who you, who you actually picture? Yeah, I've always just modeled my tennis game after Donkey Kong. <laughs> <laughs> he is just a legend of the court. He's this <laughs> big dumb ape that just powers everything and he, he, everything he rears is- back and he just fires forehands all over the court he was terrible in the game and i am not a terrible tennis player but i just like you know i just try and hit everything harder i don't think oh let's let's hit this a little bit smarter so um yeah i wish that i had a little bit more of a tricky tennis game a little bit (laughs) more of a, a little boo or koopa trooper (laughs) yeah um but i'm just not that tricky player so yeah anyways this sunday we went out to go play tennis we go at 8 a.m me and my neighbor it was just like orange the sky and we started hitting the ball and we realized that there was ash all over the court from the fire and like so every time the ball hit the court like it was just like a little pile of ash that would pop up wow yeah yeah and I did not feel, by the time, we only played two sets, and then by the time it was over, I was like, I can't, I can't be out here anymore. Um, we also always only play two sets. I always lose in two sets, but, you know. <laughs> Kong never got those Ws. Keep it up, you know. Maybe you could take some some lessons with Boo sometime, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Really fill out your right. game. Yeah. It, any idea if people are evacuating places in Colorado? Mom said there's a big fire outside of I-70 near Glenwood. Ah, uh, I don't know. Honestly, like I feel like I've been so wrapped up in going back to work that it's kind of like 
the the best I can do is take a little bit of care of myself by cooking some healthy meals and trying to bike and run and play tennis. But like besides that, I've been like wrapped up in my own world, which you know is kind of the theme of the day. Yeah, I think we could launch right into it. Unless you had any more chit chat on your mind. No, um, nothing else is coming to mind, but I also, yeah, this is like, today is going to be the second part of our education series as we're all going back to school and all thinking about that late August time, which is just like back to school time. Our whole country kind of moves that direction. Yes. Whether it's colleges or yeah, all those things. And I really, I really appreciated last week's show, how it kind of delved into like a lot of the pedagogy and the teaching philosophies and just sort of thinking about how to take that, you're taking your best self and putting it into practice um, and also becoming a better person because of the practice of teaching. But this week, yeah, do you want to talk about what our ideas for this week are going to be, Bob? Yeah. Thank you, Dave. The two-part series, we talked about theory in terms of restorative practices, and then I brought in some ideas around transformative justice. And I think we came to a place of wanting to build on the bo- like the best of both of those. Part of that is, you know, having a power analysis in the classroom, um, really being behind students, you know, like caring about students quite a bit, and then having some structures like the circles that you were talking about. So in today's episode, it's kind of a a look at the day-to-day of being in the classroom, especially right now as uh, we return, as teachers and students are returning to classrooms. And it's, as you mentioned, a big moment every year for, you know, the whole country. And particularly this year, I think with the pandemic, you know, COVID affects classrooms so much and gathering so much. So yeah, we're going to give our listeners sort of uh, a glimpse into the classroom and then synthesize ideas of where education could be going in the next months and and years under these conditions. So yeah, with that said, I wondered if since you are actually to tell our listeners, I don't go back to the classroom myself until October 1st. So I have some time. (laughs) That got pushed back, huh? Uh, No, that's, that, that was actually planned that way. Um, Oh, wow. It weirdly in UCSC's schedule, um, they're on the quarter system. Anyhow, so I'm, I am preparing my classrooms and thinking about them every day. However, you're very much going back into the classroom, I think next week. Yeah. Maybe you could start and talk about what you're planning where your head's at and how does it feel to you were in your school this week? Um, how, how that's going for you and how it's feeling. Yeah, definitely. I, I guess for starters, it's just like, there's so many questions, right? So there's nothing for certain. I feel like we're entering this new horizon, a new horizon of like, we don't know exactly what this looks like. And we as parents, or not we as parents, we as teachers don't know exactly, like we don't have everything down down pat because this has never happened before, right? We've never taken a country 
and put them into virtual education or put them into like hybrid classrooms or put them into like full on in the classroom, but like trying to keep them six feet apart from each other at all times. And I feel like because we don't have that model, we don't like there's no there's no pioneers. We are the pioneers mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Like uh, anyone, any teacher in the classroom right now is doing something that's never been done before, mm-hmm. regardless of whatever situation they're in. And sure, maybe like the 1918 pandemic. I don't know. I haven't researched that, but like I really feel like we're on the forefront of like a brand new era, which sounds somewhat exciting. Yeah. And there is some mm-hmm. real excitement there, but it's mostly just like fear. And it's mostly like questions and it's mostly like uncertainty. And I guess I kind of feel like that's what every explorer might feel like, you know, that is like, there is that excitement, but it's like this overwhelming, like, what if this happens? What if that happens? I mean, we'll definitely be talking today, mostly from the teacher's perspective, but I know that it's the same for students. And I know that it's the same for, for parents, you know, Mm -hmm. parents are like craving to get those questions answered. Um, so anyways, I'll, I'll actually answer your question, which is like, what does my week look like? Um, it's been mostly like spending the evenings with a crash course on learning and evaluating every different platform to communicate with teachers or sorry, to communicate with parents, coworkers, and students. And trying to make sure that whatever I want to try and do in the classroom is going to be capable for the students at home in a way mm-hmm. that is streamlined in a way that's like, cause that's like one of the biggest questions, right? If we're giving kids like seven different websites to use and imagine if you're a parent of three different kids at three different age levels and they're getting like 21 different websites from their school to right. like, try and help solve. And then not only that, but they're also trying to do the normal parenting stuff of like seventh grade math or like, you know, freshman physics. It's just like, if my goal is to try and streamline everything within our school at the very least, to try and make it so we're only giving out one like teacher webpage. We're only giving out one like communication platform and we're only giving out one um, video platform. Yep. And then taking all that and making a schedule that like feels there's this idea of synchronous learning and asynchronous learning that's probably going to be the Webster's Dictionary word of the year. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hashtag Joel Cantric. Uh, Hashtag Joel. Yeah. It's just like we're supposed to be able to have asynchronous learning for kids that they can do to keep them occupied while we're doing like synchronous teaching, which feels like a pretty difficult task not to mention like managing breakout groups with kids as young as like kindergartners and yeah it's just like i mean i teach fourth grade so i'm not as overwhelmed yeah i guess one of the big things that's come up for me is just that idea of grace like i as a teacher want to give parents as much like love and support and let them know that i like i really like see them trying and appreciate them But also I'm hoping to get that from the parents and the kids because there's like so many things. Like, can you imagine how many computers were ordered by school districts, Bob? Yeah, a lot. Um, Because there's, there are mandates to get a uh, computer into every student's hand. 
at least yeah. in certain institutions. Yeah. And can you imagine how many schools are actually going to complete that task and get a computer to every kid? Like, oh, yeah. I can't imagine. Like, so I'm, I'm kind of like upset because, you know, we're like not, we're like, we're hoping we're going to really get there, but like, we might not, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh man, that feels like, how can I even teach kids if they don't even have a computer, right? Like how everything goes out the window, but then it's like, is it really like Dell's fault? Is it really like, you know, HP's fault? Like, or is it yes. the male's fault? Or is it like the district's fault? I mean, it's just like, there's so many systems at play here. And if we're not like taking a second to realize that like this, like if every student doesn't have a computer, then it's like, there's not a whole lot we can do about that. We can like try our best, but like the only way we're ever going to fix this is with clear communication between all, everybody involved, the districts, the teachers, the parents, and the kids, you know? Totally. Yeah. These are some great points. I'm really appreciating a lot of these ideas and reflections that you have and that you're bringing into the conversation. I have some follow-ups, but... Yeah, please. The point that you made about the online software that we're bringing into remote learning is super important. There's so many interesting ones and good ones, but yeah, it's overwhelming for students to have so many. It's overwhelming for instructors. Um, so that's a really great point. Even before that, I, I loved your idea about like, this has never happened before. And I think that's, at least to my experience, very true that, you know, in 1918, the internet didn't exist. So what we have here is this pandemic, but with internet, you know, and it's so funny, yeah. none of the dystopias that we've talked about have internet, you know? <laughs> Well, yeah, maybe some right. of them do, but I never thought the apocalypse would have internet and maybe we should knock on wood, you know, uh, that we still do have it. Anyways, it's like a very interesting combination of factors that we have. So yeah, I think it is, we're pioneering and I like that. Mm, it, it means yeah, that like, I brought some hope to you. yeah, it's like this, sometimes this idea of like, we have to teach well, or, you know, there's always pressures on us, but a countervailing like thing to say to ourselves is well well you know like we we've never done this before and quite frankly there's not a lot of help you know or like a lot of us are very isolated and doing this work alone you know because like i was saying last week everywhere and institutions are probably um the worst in terms of like getting back to me like there's just no help anymore. You're, you know, customer service or IT help. I feel like that has really suffered in the pandemic. So oh, it man. does feel very isolated in terms of, um, you know, doing this work and teaching ourselves. So that's a really great point. The last point I really wanted to pick up on and make sure we don't lose is one of those last points that you were making. This idea of sort of like, we're doing this and we're supposed to be graceful. And I like that a lot. However, the institutions we're working for, um, for example, at least the ones I'm working for, University of California, are firing people left and right, and it's very not stable work, and there's, there's still a lot of pressure on the educators to get it done. So we're supposed to be giving students more leeway, but our work is not giving us more leeway. But the, the bigger point that I want to make around that is that, you know, some days teaching, like de developing my lesson plans, it feels like, yes, this is amazing. This feels so relevant that 
I'm teaching something like, for example, how to understand tactics within social movements. That's, that feels something that the students can use in their lives. But at the other hand, you know, I'm making them do some writing or it just feels so much that I can't even do my work. So I'm thinking to myself like, God, is it even like, should we be doing this? We're in this pandemic and then these fires hit. And then what's the next thing that's going to hit? Like, shouldn't we just be like, like, when is enough enough? So that tension of like, it's actually, it's both extremely meaningful work. And sometimes it's really hard to do because there's so many other demands on us these days. So Mm -hmm. those are some points that what you were bringing up really made me think about. And yeah, I wonder if you had any follow-up points as well. Yeah. I, one of the things that was coming to my mind is like, you're talking about how your, your system has really not taken care of its employees that great. And I feel like that feels pretty typical for the big university, right? That they see you as expendable, not you, Bob Maisler, but you as in like the, the employee and they see it's like a customer driven model, right? Where they need the students to feel happy and well taken care of. And like, they want to like cater to that. And it just yet again, like the grad student or the professor or, you know, all of, I mean, probably worse off, like the, the custodians or the groundskeepers are probably getting like super fucked right now, you know? And that I will say that in contrast to that, and this probably varies like across the board that I feel so taken care of by my district. The fact that I'm not being forced back into a classroom right now. Mm. Yeah. Feels like that feels like it's really employee driven and community driven in a lot of ways. Like we have like the big university in town is CSU and this week is move in for CU Boulder and CSU to dorms and to housing and like the idea of not that I've go out to like chain stores very often, but can you imagine what targets is like right now or, you know, or like what are those other stores, bed, bath and beyond? Yeah. Like they must be over. Like I, I would, I just couldn't go there right now. It's, it's so much all these parents that are driving their kids to go to college and trying to like get them set up and trying to like maintain that normalcy is just like we have germs and from all over the country right now in all these communities that are opening up. Yeah. And the fact that I don't have to be rushed back in at the same time as all this is happening and the hospitals are already going to be super overwhelmed. Like I feel like, okay, I at least have like a little bit of breathing time. Like, um, yeah, there is no we have a game plan of returning to to live learning by October. Like but who knows? That's like so tentative. It's basically like let's see how the first few weeks go, you know? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Bob. It's it just that point you brought up around like everyone coming to, you know, a given place across the country. It's pretty scary, you know, all that germ spreading. I hadn't quite thought of that. I was thinking more in terms of elementary school, but you're right. Um, in colleges, that's very much likely what's happening for colleges that are more having live education rather than remote. Yeah. Can I, another point that I want to make sure we talk about a little bit is that idea of equity. And I think a really good 
um, idea of equity right now is that idea of like the fact that there there's going to be students all across the country that are not going to get a laptop and there's going to be students that won't have a laptop on day one, right? That's like a certainty. There's like no way that yes. that's not already happened. And you think about like going back to those forest fires, who is that going to hurt the most, you know? And 100% of the time, that person that's going to be hurt the most is the person or the student that doesn't have a computer at home already. A student that doesn't have internet at home already. And these are these are the students that we need to be supporting the most. And it's really hard to like make sure that those students are the most taken care of. And I'm going to like try my best to make sure that that happens. But it's like, I, I don't have a lot of time to like make sure that that works, you know? And yeah, I know that there'll be like moments cause I don't, you know, I don't know all my families. I don't know all my students. It's not, it's not, only my job to do that you know there's other checks and balances but i'm like one of the i'm one of the people that needs to be there and i'm like yeah it just makes me sad that i might let them down like from the beginning and i'm like really wanting to not do that you know yeah what i try to do is to schedule well first of all you know there is the idea of synchronous and asynchronous so Having asynchronous can help making it so it's like not mandatory to be there at a certain time. So that can help students who have less access to like good Wi-Fi. And then also having some of the work on discussion forums can also help. And then a third way that I think can help access is scheduling ways to check in with every single student. And um, that's something that I can do in my smaller classes, but I cannot do that in my 120 student class. So that's where that falls apart a little bit for me. And so that's one thing I'm curious if you can do that with all your students. The other part that I'll bring in is the other side of the coin where remote learning has made education more accessible to some students, that those students who have certain disabilities and mobility issues. Um, the Guardian wrote a pretty good article about this, that the pandemic has in some ways increased accessibility for folks with disabilities. And that that's something that uh, we like don't want to lose like when we come back together. We, we still want to maintain the accessibility gains for people who have uh, mobility disabilities. So that I think is something that is true in college classrooms. And I wonder if it's true in elementary schools as well. I'm not sure. However, so yeah, that's, it's interesting to think about different conditions bring more accessibility to some people and, and less to others. And it's complicated because um, we don't want to lose anyone. Yeah. I think that you hit it right on the head when you said the gains are, like we can't lose the gains that we're going to make because we're going <laughs> to, we like as pioneers into this new realm of education, we're going to make some significant gains as every explorer does, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I want to like hold on to that 
I know that one of the biggest things that's going to happen is because classrooms are going to become so digital or virtual or digitized or digital. Yeah, those are the gains that are going to like really help out in ways that will. It's like a whole new realm of learning. You know, we used to think about like a tactile learner or a visual learner or um, audio learner. But I feel like there is this idea of a digital learner that is going to be, we're going to see some students that we wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily know that are going to thrive in, in the conditions that are getting set up right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And making sure that we like keep that thriving into the next stage, because that's, that's going to be huge. Because the gains that we're going to, because we're going to lose a lot too, you know, that's inevitable. Yeah. We're going to make a, it's like, you know, two steps back, one step forward. But if we don't keep that step forward, then it's just two steps back. And that's where we need to be vigilant and to be, there's a, there's a definite practice in teaching of reflection. And reflection is like this idea of like being super intentional about like what the lessons you taught are and how you did what you did well, what you did poorly, what you think you could improve on and how you can add student input to that reflection. I feel like that is going to be such a tool for teachers this year to be reflecting on like what went well in the model of school uh, of teaching that they're doing, you know? Yeah, that's right. It's so important. Yeah. It's actually kind of a, you know, it's scary, but it's a very exciting time to be a teacher. And that reflection component is so important. I think you brought up a point around something about like moving into a new era of education. I think we are that the last era of education is called by some the neoliberal era. It's the era in which so much of education has been privatized, you know, at the university level. Even public institutions like University of Colorado had an oil baron as their president that you mm-hmm. rightly critiqued in a great op-ed written about 15 years ago. <laughs> uh, but he was bringing in all kinds of private yeah. funds to fund CU. And that has trickled down, of course, to K through 12 and you know charter schools or the ways in which public schools have been eviscerated in terms of yeah, the fund funding and some of their funds have gone to other places like the police. So anyways, I think we're moving into a new era of education because not only, you know, because of COVID being so serious, but the economics are shifting so much. And COVID is a big piece of that. For example, state budgets are going to be shrinking and we have seen economic losses like we haven't seen ever in this country. So that coupled with, I really think we're in for a series of disasters. And I, you know, I don't like to say that, but, you know, I don't think it's the new normal is going to be dealing with COVID, but also wildfires. And then also the next thing. And back to my point of like, should we do education in such an era? I think, yes, I think definitely we, we must, it's, we have to. But I think we have to think differently. We really have to think about breaking out of the boxes of the old eras of education and make something that's just very useful to students in their lives and navigating these sort of 
confluence of disasters. Yeah, it's so funny. I keep, every time we're thinking about the dystopian world and they never deal with education and yeah, I just keep thinking about like, what if the matrix had like kids in school, like as they're, because you know, the dystopia is all about good versus evil in general or not always, but like, there's always a piece of that. Um, yeah. But like, as all these people are like trying to free themselves from the, the slavery of the machine, like, what if they were sitting down and going to school in a way that they're like worried about childcare? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. I just need a little bit of childcare to make sure that my, like, I got to go um, fight the machines. But if you, if you could just like make sure that my kid is looked after and I don't really care what you teach, I just need to go uh, fight the, the, the machines right now. <laughs> Yeah. yeah it's a good I don't point. know. It feels so silly, right? Yeah, that we don't see where are the kids and where are the classrooms in dystopian imaginations. Yeah, because I think they're extremely important. That to give an example from my teaching last quarter, I taught a class about critical research methods. It was a small class, and the students were learning about basically how to research the world around them and wherever they are under any conditions and that this idea of activist research, that research should be guided by what are the needs of social movements, not guided by, you know, grants or some theory in academia or something like that. So it was very useful. And the class ended up um, continuing to meet like after the quarter and um, the class is still meeting. I think that is what I'm talking about, that if we can give students both inspiration and tools to continue outside of classrooms because where are the classrooms? You know, they, we don't have them right now or, or they're in hybrid. Um, so I think classrooms are still extremely important. I think gathering is, you know, crucial for education, but I think mm. if we can think on different levels, not just that level, that will be helpful yeah. going forward. Yeah, gathering is crucial for humanity, right? Like yeah. that is the core piece of what it means to be human. And it's not like nobody wants that to go away, but we need to like make sure that yeah, just making sure that we return in a way that's safe and healthy. I feel like mm-hmm. one of the thoughts that I've been having is like there's no way that there's not going to be a teacher that gets that contracts COVID, right? Like that's going to happen no matter mm, right. like by going to school, there's, I'm, there's already been so many outbreaks in schools, right? Based on numbers, there's going to be a teacher that ends up dying from going to work because of COVID, you know? And that, that's been really kind of like a sad thing that I've been thinking about. And I want like, yeah, I just want to teachers to know that like they're taken care of. And I don't know, it's, it's not an easy idea. And I know that it's the same for everybody. You know what I mean? Like there's grocery store workers that are, that have died because of COVID, you know, but I don't know. I just feel like we don't have to send. I saw a really interesting Instagram post that said NFL players can opt out of the season and they'll make a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. But mm-hmm. teachers 
are like still being forced back into the classroom. And it's like you either lose your job or you end up like in this really risky situation. So yeah. And people are like celebrating the NFL players for opting out and people are like yelling at the teachers for not, not being brave enough to go do their quote unquote job, you know? Yeah. It's um, the elementary school teacher is so much more than just a teacher. The society depends on them for teaching and childcare and like mental health of their children and just so much. The society is just poured on teachers, not giving them nearly enough credit or support. Yeah. yeah. Do you um have any like if you're taking, you know, let's see, if you could do anything in the classroom or outside like this during COVID and, you know, it was just your wildest dreams about what you would give your students this coming term. If, and if you had as many resources as you needed, what would you do for your students? How would you, you know, educate it if you had as many resources at your disposal as possible? Hmm. Yeah, I feel like I, there just need to be another me in my classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I think what like the big checks are like taking care of like the safety and health of kids, which is something that elementary schools are so good at doing. Like you're talking about, like um, the school counselors, the the lunchroom that are making sure kids are getting fed. Yeah, that like, too. I, yeah. Yeah, those are like some of the biggest some of some of the other worries that I have. Like are like how are we gonna make sure that kids stay fed? Because that's huge. Um so yeah, like meeting those baseline needs and then making sure that they have like those like a first of all, making sure they have a quiet space to do their learning, right? Mm-hmm. Which is huge. Making sure they have Wi-Fi. And then at that point, I feel like if if I could have kids that are with me. For like, I, I I was giving my lessons, and then I would have another teacher that was able to break them up into small groups. Um, so like they were doing their asynchronous learning with another adult that was able to answer questions and like help keep them on task. And because I feel like those are the moments where I'm like, is anything really going to happen in that asynchronous time, or is it just like Minecraft twenty four seven? You know? Yeah, it's hard to know that there's accountability. I I struggle with that question myself. Yeah. And I feel like I'm going to do everything I can to inspire and to talk about resiliency and to talk about like the fact that this is like a year that they can make, like my students can make strides upon everybody else in the world if they can take their asynchronous work seriously, you know? And I'm going to keep hammering that home because I feel like that's the type of work that they can actually, uh, you know, make gains on the year. And I'm hoping that that will help them out. But, you know, there's only so much I can do to inspire. I can give give all the speeches I want, but <laughs> Minecraft is also really fun to play. So I definitely get that. Yeah, it's, it's a tough competition for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. 
yeah. Have you have you had the chance to talk with any of your students yet? Um, would they? So we have a big what's called distribution day on Monday, and I get to have a half hour meetings with students um all Monday and all Tuesday. So I will be able to like. So tomorrow I'm setting up laptops and making sure that all the programs that are needed are downloaded and all the Chrome extensions that are needed are downloaded and my web page is really easily to access so that like all you have to do is click on that one link and then you're into the classroom, you know, just like type in your, your password and you can get right on into my virtual classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's like my day tomorrow. And then Monday I get to have meetings and like, I know it's going to be so frantic to have these like, just like bam, 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 you know? Um, but I'm going to just like try to do my best and bring my best self to make that impression with these 30 minutes I get. Yeah. And in a dream world, I would be able to have like a little bit of more one-on-one time. Like if I could have like two hours, you know, with each family, but and that's the other thing. I don't have an answer to every question that's going to be popped up, you know? And I'm like, oh, man. Like, I do not know how to say MiFi device in Spanish yet. So it's like, oh, man. Got to think, how do you say that word, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely feel overwhelmed. But I'm like, you know, I can only... Yeah, this podcast will air on Monday night. So I'll have already done a lot of my work. Or maybe yeah. Tuesday. Well, it sounds like... You know, if you had ideal resources, there'd be three Daves. So, you know, you're doing the work of three people. You got to be good on yourself. You know, you are wanting to inspire and I'm sure you will, but at the same time, taking breaths and taking care of yourself will be so important going forward. And yeah, that you can only do so much. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. Yeah. Totally. I mean, my main my main goals for the year are to do the best I can for the kids, but also to do the best I can for myself. Yeah, and see what happens. Uh, you know, we'll see in May. <laughs> see in May fourth. May the fourth be with you. Yeah. Well, Babo, I feel like that feels like a good, inspiring place to end for me. I know that there was like some, there's some hard thoughts when it comes to this, but I oh, hope yeah. that. You know, we we can find that courage because we're going to need it. And I'm definitely looking forward to trying to keep the podcast going during this time because I feel like it's been bringing me a lot of security to know that I get to talk to you and also like all the interactions I get to have with our greater community. Yeah. Anyway, we can support people out there. I hope we can. And, and, and likewise, anytime people tell us they listen to any part or some part of the podcast stood out to them, that means the world to us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Speaking of like feeling a little overwhelmed, but I like, I still have these stickers and I have like, I've been meaning to email all those people that they know who they are. Um, and they I'm know gonna, who they you know, are. You, I'm going to try and get, get to that this week. Try and, email y'all so I can get some addresses and send you some stickers because um yeah I feel like it's it feels like a little bit of connection which will feel good I've just been a little overwhelmed I did Doing get the work one of three days out, I did get one sticker out to mom 
Um, she came by, Bob. She drove up. She dropped off a bunch of tomatoes for Julie and myself. And oh, my. it was the first time I got to tour mom around the house. And that was awesome. Glorious. Oh, that's, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah, it was cool. Wow. Got to show her all the chickens. and Good work, mom. Yeah. <laughs> so I got her a sticker and I got Rosie back as the sticker via, via Helen. Love those ladies. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bob, do you want to talk about tuned in a little bit? Yeah, I do. Um, so I'm reading a book called Anarcho Blackness. It's a new book by our favorite press, AK Press. This came out a few weeks ago, and it's by Marcus Bay, who's talking about the ways in which um, it's a little bit complex, but the, you know, a delve into what blackness means is something that can totally rewire, just transform what we mean by anarchism. And, um, so I'm just getting into that book and it's, it's really interesting that, that brings me to another point is in which I'm a part of an anarchist collective myself and I am gearing up to work with another collective member to produce some sort of interactive talks on anarchism and current social issues uh, from from our info shop in Santa Cruz. So, yeah, look out for that, and maybe we'll have some some overlap between this show and that show. Um, so that, that's one thing I'm working on, Dave, and mm-hmm. it's connected to anarcho-blackness or this book that I'm reading that inspired some of that thinking. How about yourself? Yeah, I, you know, have been re-watching Parks and Rec on Netflix which oh, has yeah. been nice for me. I I oftentimes think about what TV show character I'm most like. And I love watching Parks and Rec because I feel like I'm a little piece of a lot of the characters on that show. Like I'm basically Andy Dwyer in a lot of ways. Um, but I also feel like I got a little Ron Swanson in me and I definitely oh, have yes, some you ben, do. I definitely have some Ben White in me for sure. <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, I I love finding my TV show personalities. But the thing that I really want to talk about is this new podcast that just dropped. I think it might be this week or last week, but it's a podcast called Nice White Parents. And it's by Hannah Jaffe Walt, who did one of the best pieces on the school system I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. When she was working for This American Life, she did an intensive uh, deep dive into the Chicago school systems. And yeah, this show is actually through Serial. Do you remember that podcast? Yeah, I do. Yep. Yeah. So you can, the way I got, tuned into it was through um, the Serial podcast and they're dropping it on their their feed. So if you have Serial, you can download it through that. Um, But I know a lot of people delete Serial or they don't have it updating right now because Serial comes out like once every three years, it seems like. But yeah, Mm. I would highly recommend this episode. I listened to the first two maybe one today or one, yeah, one today, one yesterday. And they were, they blew my mind. And it talks a lot about 
a new just education and um basically the idea of segregation and integration in new york schools and that's interesting Mm -hmm. yeah it's so good it's you gotta listen i definitely recommend it it. to anybody out there yeah definitely just turn this podcast off there's better stuff you can listen to always (laughs) (laughs) Ah, i don't know maybe you like your basler brothers every now and then right the thriving crew as it were the thriving crew there is no substitute yeah and i gotta make a shout out real quick bob um and at some at some point i'll edit this into our end credits but one of the reasons i feel like we're going to be able to continue this show is we got an editor for the show yes we did and the last episode the last two you've heard were actually edited by nadir and he is editing this episode and we're like super excited to have him on the thriving crew yes yeah i've just been a big fan of what he's done so far and it's yeah it's pretty awesome yeah and i mean we're finally a crew you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah two people a crew does not make no a crew is uh really three people minimum and we got nadir on board he's he's our bosnian you know yep absolutely he is actually so, Bosnian, so um, yeah. that's not just a thing. Yeah, and I'll eventually I'll put. Uh, I just don't have time this week, but in the end credits, I mean, I guess this is the end of season two, right? Yes, it is. The last episode feels good. Yeah, so we're gonna have to edit the end credits and uh, get a new season three song. So here's the deal. All right, challenge. I am curious if you, if anybody out there has a song that they want for the end credits for season three, send it to me or send me the idea and I'll, I'll cut it into our end credits because we love doing that. Or if you like know somebody that you want to get up on our, our podcast for our end credits, do that. And I'll be editing it this week and sending it to Nadir, the Bosnian. Absolutely. Yeah. He's helped us out a lot and um, excited where we, we can go in season three. Just getting started, Dave. Just tip of the iceberg here. Tip of the iceberg. Well, Bob, well, crew, as as we say these days, thriving crew, love you all, and I can't wait to see what comes next. It's been a pleasure, Mr. Peachtree, and get in, get in there and do us proud. Thanks, Bob. Love you. Love you, too. Hey, what's up, y'all? Bob and I just want to take that second and thank you all for those years that you keep on lending us. It seriously means the world to us, and we couldn't, and we wouldn't be doing this without you. So thanks so much. We also want to thank the artists for making our podcast a little bit more beautiful. The intro song is In Heaven by Drake Stafford, and our new outro song is called The Time for Action by Kennedy. And as always, the prolific and enigmatic Joe Shine did our thumbnail art. Well, we'll see you next Tuesday, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Action, 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 action. Lisa y sanamente, la cruda y fea verdad la vivimos en el presente. Tirados sin piedad y perdidos entre la gente. En esta realidad esperando pacientemente. El cambio ya se siente, te mienten. Los que dicen ver una grieta presentan argumentos sin evidencia concreta. Hacen de todo un cuento para que se ríe al de al lado. Un mensaje para ellos, números están superados. Tantos de mi clase que no tienen dónde ir Sin nadie que los ampare ni razón para existir Odiándose entre ellos al no poder recurrir A un sistema que los mata y son
solamente quiere huir Se niega a abrir los ojos a ver tantas injusticias La calle es color rojo y nunca salen las noticias Manipulan a su antojo, nos dejan en la inmundicia Pero ahora su despojo va a ser la única primicia